This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Odeon and Odeon Lux, who, in true Black Friday tradition, are getting ready to make movies better for us all. Odeon My Limitless is your ticket to infinite cinema. See as many movies as you like from only $14.99 a month. Sign up now and pick up a £20 Amazon voucher or a €20 Odeon voucher if you're in Ireland. Total cinematic immersion awaits. If you'd rather immerse someone else in cinematic wonder, then you could make their day, week, month or year by giving them an Odeon e-gift card. Spend £30 or more and you'll get an extra £5 e-gift card absolutely free. Has cinema ever felt better than this? I don't think so. Both offers run until the 28th of November and are available at odeon.co.uk. You see, Odeon really do make movies better. Also, just before we head to our fantastic virtual cinema, how would you like a pair of tickets to head to a fantastic and very real Odeon cinema? Because the lovely people at Odeon have handed us a pair of tickets to give away every show. So, if you'd like the chance to head to your nearest Odeon and enjoy a movie, all you need to do is leave us a review or get in touch. I'll explain more at the end of the show. But congratulations to this week's winner, Tracy Beck, who left us the following response on Instagram to our guest Laura Donnelly's unpopular movie opinion from last week's show that Grandpa Joe from Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory is one bad dude. Tracy agrees. She says, the song he sang was I've Got a Golden Ticket. No old man. Charlie has the golden ticket. You're the plus one. After Charlie wins the Chocolate Factory by doing exactly the opposite of what Grandpa Joe said, Joe has the audacity to say, what about me? What about you? Charlie should have thrown him out of that glass elevator. Tracy, thank you. If you'd like to drop us an email at triptomovies at gmail.com, that's triptomovies at gmail.com, we'll send you your Odeon Cinema tickets. More details at the end of the show if you'd like to get a pair of tickets. Also, don't forget, the full Laura Donnelly video interview is on our Patreon, along with all the other video interviews from every guest we have on the show. And finally, for all the latest news and clips from the show, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Trip to Movies Pod. All right, then, back to this episode. If you're ready, let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, the podcast where each week a special guest takes us on an incredible journey as they curate their perfect night out at our fantastic virtual cinema. This week we're joined by a brilliant actor and comedian soon to be seen in the brutal horror reimagining Winnie the Pooh, Blood or Honey. Yeah, you heard right. Taking us on this week's Trip to the Movies, it's the wonderful Amber Doigthorn. Hello, Amber. Hello. I'm doing really well, thank you, Alex. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. So let's just get straight into this. Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, where, where do we start? Just tell me a little bit for the uninitiated as to, as to what we're talking about with this movie. Okay, so basically in January 2022, the characters from A.A. Milne's Winnie the Pooh books came into the public domain. So Winnie the Pooh, Piglet and Eeyore and now basically public property, which means anyone in the world can do anything that they want with these characters. So this mm -hmm. great production company called Jagged Edge Productions, who I've worked with a few times, decided why not make a Winnie the Pooh horror film? Like, I'm a big fan of horror films. I'm a big fan of Winnie the Pooh. So when they sent me the script and they asked me to audition for Alice, I was like, yes, please. And thank you. Where do I sign up? Like, this is amazing. I love the script. I think it's great. I think it's really cool because it's one of those things where people who grew up with the cartoons and books as a child and now as an adult, a fan of horror films, I'm like, this is the perfect combination. And it's something I never really thought that I'd be a part of, but like the response to the trailer's been insane, like absolutely yeah. crazy. So I'm really excited to see what people think. It is, it's amazing. Every time a little bit of news drops about it, Bosch goes viral in an instant. People are, people are talking about this movie. So <laughs> so you play Alice. Um, tell us a little bit about Alice and how, how she fits into the, the story and what the story is of Blood or Honey. Yeah, so the film Blood and Honey starts with Christopher Robin and his soon-to-be wife, Mary. You've probably seen this from the trailer. He basically wants to take his fiance to 100 Acre Woods to meet Pooh and Piglet and all these characters that he grew up with. But he kind of abandoned them when he went to college and they've turned a little bit feral. They may or may not have <laughs> eaten Eeyore, which is a bit brutal. Um, and they've kind of turned on him. So it's not it's not the most positive ending for these two, shall we say. 
Um, and then we kind of cut to present day and we follow a group of girls, including my character, Alice. Um, there's four or five of us and one of our friends has basically gone through a bit of a tough time and we think, you know what, let's just take it for a weekend away, have a nice few days, relax. Uh, and it turns out that we're stalked by Pooh and Piglet because the location we go to is obviously near a hundred acre woods and we didn't know any better. Uh, so basically the rest of the film is us kind of cat and mousing with Pooh and Piglet trying to get away from them and I think it's a lot of fun. <laughs> It sounds, uh, I mean, like you say, the trailer is uh, is is pretty special. Um, but so, as I understand it, though, because uh, with regard to like the, the the copyright thing, like because it's just A. A. Mill's first book that has become uh, entered the public domain, there are certain things that you still can't do, like the the, the classic red shirts that Pooh wears that we all remember. That's still under copyright. That image, so. I guess that explains why the poo that we're seeing in this does look slightly different. Like, tell, talk me through his appearance. Is it a lumberjack shirt he's wearing? Is he is he a human or is he a bear? Well, you're going to have to watch the film to find out. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> so it is a very different appearance. I think, as far as I'm aware, I think that's because the Disney version has that stereotypical red top right. kind of no pants scenario, which I don't think anyone wants to see when a, a human male is playing the character. That would be a very different type of film. Um, so I think because of the Disney copyright, they kind of had to steer down a different route. And I think for the the way that the film is, the way that it's set and what the characters have been through, I think it makes sense for Pooh to kind of have this new look. Um, so they did go with the lumberjack shirt and the same with Piglet. Like They have this very, I'd say it's more of like a human-like appearance, especially when it comes to mm. the costume. Um, but with regards to the books, for example, like Tigger isn't in the public domain yet, so we couldn't use Tigger. Um, so right. it is kind of just what is in the book. We have access to those characters, but like I said, not the costumes, which is technically Disney's copyright. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So <laughs> it's Pooh and Piglet hunting yeah. down a group of girls looking after their friend at a party in the Hundred Acre Wood. Right, I I've got it. So let me ask, were you a Winnie the Pooh fan as a child? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I was the biggest fan. I had like 20 Winnie the Pooh bears. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So as you, as you mentioned, the trailers, like, uh, you know, I think it's it, uh, right now as we're recording this, it's in excess of two and a half million views on YouTube. So it's it's gone big. Um, it's brutal. We see a beheading. We see someone missing an eye. Get out, scrawled in blood and entrails across a window. I guess the big question is, are you not worried about ruining people's childhoods? Yes, but I think they basically use that as a tagline for the film. I think there is <laughs> nothing being hidden right now. The um, the producers, Reese and Scott, have very openly said, look, you probably shouldn't take your children to see this. It's not. This ain't a bedtime story is literally written on the poster. Um, I would say if your horror fans go and see it, if you're like five years old and you love Winnie the Pooh, maybe wait until you're a little bit older uh, because we don't want to ruin your childhood, basically. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. I, I just want to read you uh, some of the uh, the beautiful quotes that the Winnie, Winnie the Pooh we all remember uh, used to okay. fill our hearts and minds with. Uh, just you know, just let's breathe them in as we imagine him wielding an axe, beheading someone in a swimming pool. Sometimes okay. the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Oh. Beautiful, right? And uh, imagine that as he's gouging someone's eye out. Uh, <laughs> if you live to be a hundred. I hope I live to be a hundred minus one day, so I'll never have to live a day without you. Oh, poo. He's coming <laughs> on my heart right now. Is this guilt? Is how you feeling guilty yet? The most, this is the final one. The most important thing is, even when we're apart, I'll always be with you. Oh, see, now I feel like that's got this ulterior, really creepy meaning now that I know what he's capable of. Like, even if I kill you, you know, I'll still be with you in the afterlife. Uh, I can't tell you how excited I am uh, to see this movie. I, I don't know what that says about me, but I'm, I'm desperate to see uh, my childhood favourite uh, wielding an axe. So there you go. Um, it's going to be you. an interesting movie. I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Right then. If you're ready, Amber, let's head yes. to our virtual cinema. Amber, you're about to take us on your perfect night out at the cinema. You're our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. So we push open the doors of our temple of film and find ourselves in the foyer. There's the excited buzz there always is in a cinema foyer, the hum of anticipation. So it's your perfect trip, Amber. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? 
see, for me, there's only one answer for who I would take with me, and it would have to be Quentin Tarantino. I'm, as an actor, I'm obsessed with him because he's an incredible actor and he's an incredible director and writer. I just think he's wonderful. And I'm convinced he's seen every film ever made. So I think he'd be the perfect <laughs> movie buddy. Like he'd get all the references. He'd know all the quotes. I just think he would be the most entertaining person to go to the cinema with. <laughs> He, he he undoubtedly would. He's a very verbose man, though. Are, are you not worried that, like, halfway through the film, he'd be like, let me, yeah, let me tell you about exactly where that movie reference comes from. So here's the thing. I think it would be a bit much, but also I get really excited during films and I have a tendency to talk a lot. So I feel like there would be a running commentary from either Quentin or I. But I think as long as there's no one else in the cinema, we wouldn't get kicked out. It'd be fine. We'd have a great time. That's, that is so true. But I, I just as, as I guess as a warning to any cinema goers, if you do see Amber Doig Thorne and Quentin Tarantino yeah. sitting together, sit as far away from them or change your tickets. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's going to be uh, which chatterboxes. What can I say? <laughs> I mean, as an actor, I, I guess part of the appeal is is the dialogue that he writes for actors as well, because, uh, you know, I think it was was it two years in a row or there was a little gap between them, but. I think the two parts he wrote for Christoph Waltz, uh, both those parts that he wrote specifically for him, earned him an Oscar nomination, one of which I believe he won, if not both. Mm -hmm. He is, first of all, I think Christoph is phenomenal. He's in my like top five favorite actors of all time. And I think you could give him any piece of dialogue and he'd probably make it Oscar worthy. <laughs> but I love that Quentin works with the same actors. I think it's the same as like Christopher Nolan. When these directors work with someone and they work really well they kind of create this little family that they work with again and again and i think they just get to know the actors so well they know the way that they speak so even when they're creating these characters from the ground up they can kind of bring the actor to them and the character to the actor and yet his dialogue it's just it's like nothing that i've really read like i've met, read some amazing scripts but i think it's because he is also an actor he just seems to have this really deep understanding of humankind and the type of dialogue that people want to see on screen I just, I can't sing his praises highly enough. I think he's wonderful. <laughs> okay, so you are heading into the cinema with Quentin Tarantino. There's a clock on the wall of the foyer. It reads a specific time. What time of day do you go to the cinema? I think I'm going to go for 6.45pm, specifically. Very specific. Tell me why. I don't know why. I was like, what time? It's got to be 6.45. I always go to the cinema in the evening. I remember I got invited to a screening of a, uh, a children's film once at 11 a.m. in the morning. And it just oh, felt wow. so strange. And I came outside and it was daytime and people were heading to work and it just felt really weird. So I think for me, I'm a nighttime cinema person. 6.45, I'm like, that's good. It's after dinner. I can have a nice little meal before I go in, preparing myself for all of the snacks. I think it's mm. optimum time, Alex. That's great. Was it one of those um, children's screenings that I, I, I've hosted a couple of those where they invite a lot of children down, a lot of families and kids. And yes. it's like it's a kid's movie with a family audience. And I mean, yeah. you know, there's you and Quentin Tarantino sitting there. I imagine it would be a competition between who can be louder, a bunch of sugared up kids or you two. I would hope a bunch of sugared up kids, but you never know. <laughs> They're fun. Is it nice? I, I've always wondered because I don't often stay for the films. Is it quite fun watching a kids movie with a bunch of kids because you sense their joy and awe? Or is it like, just shut up? <laughs> I think at the beginning, I'd say for 90% of the film, it is pure joy because they just get so excited and they're kind of screaming at all other fun bits. And it's really lovely. But I think towards the end of the film, you do think, oh, my goodness, can you just eat some sweets and just shh? But then again, I imagine people say the same with me when I'm watching a new Marvel film. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is a reference to this and this calls back to this. And it's like, Amber, we know it's opening night. We're all Marvel fans. Can you just shh? And I'm like an excited child on E-numbers. So I think that's probably why I like going to these screenings, just to share that, like, pure joy. <laughs> so... 6.45 p.m. You mentioned that you, you have dinner yeah. before you go. So the snacks in the cinema, we'll come on to them in a minute. They're, they're there for desserts then. That's, that's your dessert. Well, I like to think I have three stomachs. I have my main stomach, I have my dessert stomach, and then I have my cinema stomach. So even if I've had like a 27-course meal, there's always room for cinema snacks. Always. Okay. Well, we're nearly into the snack section. That's great. Okay. You've booked the <laughs> tickets for our trip tonight. So where in the auditorium have you booked tickets for us to sit? It's got to be in the middle. People who sit on the outside of the screen, I don't trust them. I don't trust them. I think that's really strange. Why would you want a weird side view? I remember I went on a date once and they booked tickets at the front on the side. Within the first two minutes, I was like, they're probably a psychopath. I'm not going to be a second date. It's strange. <laughs> <laughs> on, on, the on the grounds that no human could enjoy a film this way. 
Exactly. I was just like, why would you choose to be at the front and at the side? So you sat like this the whole time. Like, I need to be at the middle, at the back, so I can not only see the screen, but I like to see the other people in the auditorium because I like the fact that we all share the reactions and we're all sharing the same emotions at the same time. And sometimes if I'm cackling away at something I find hilarious, I like to see if other people are laughing too or if I just have a really warped sense of humor. And I can't do that if I'm sat in the front row, Alex. <laughs> That's interesting. So you like to sit in the middle, but at the back of the cinema so you can see the entire audience kind of in a, in a healthy way, a bit like a voyeur sort of going, oh, look at them enjoying this. I'm basking in their emotion, living vicariously through their enjoyment. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. That's cool. I like it. Do you, I, my only, my only, I, I'm, I'm very different to you. I have to sit on the end, uh, weak bladder, uh, probably revealing too much. So I have to sit on the end of a row. Uh, and I, I, I don't mind. I think I sort of sit in the middle at the end of a row. But mm. does the back not feature, you know, teenage, is it still a thing? Because I remember when I was at school, it was like, oh, back row of the cinema and then we have a snog. Do you not find oh yourself my... listening to the, the, the squelching sounds of young love kissing? Well, occasionally, yes, I have been to the occasional screening where there have been couples next to me. And then I think, oh, maybe I'll just move this way a few seats. I think when I was younger, it was definitely a thing. I like to think the last few years, especially since COVID, I feel like that's kind of calmed down a little bit. And now people are, you know, having their PDA elsewhere. Um, right. But I think it definitely went through a phase where I was at the back of the cinema. And when I was at school, I used to go to the cinema every Friday night after school around 6.45 p.m., if you'd like <laughs> to know, uh, with my mom just to watch like the latest releases. And she's the same as me. We like to be at the back of the cinema just to have the view. Also, if you're at the back of the cinema, you don't get those annoying kids kicking your seats. It's like being oh, on a plane. Like, absolute oh. nightmare. I'm like, anyway, so unless it's like, if it's one of those 4DX experiences where the seats are moving, I think if someone's kicking the seat, then that's great because you think it's one of the effects and you just kind of roll with it. So yeah, if you go and see, uh, for want of a better example, Kick-Ass or Kick-Ass 2, the kicking of the seats is sort of like, this is this feels so real. Can you feel that? It feels like I'm in the movie. Exactly. I want my ass to be kicked if I'm watching Kick-Ass. It's the only <laughs> way to watch it. <laughs> okay, so we've got our seats booked. Now, mm. the air of the foyer is full of wonderful smells. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What do you choose to eat? Well, I'm not saying that there's a right and a wrong answer, but <laughs> I would go for some nachos, potentially a hot dog if my cinema stomach is particularly empty on this day, and an icy or a slushy, depending which cinema I'm in. And obviously some little chocolatey sweetie bits as well, just for the dessert part of the cinema meal. Uh, okay, yeah. and you, you and you, the nachos, you're getting everything on those. You're getting the the, the cheese sauce and the, oh. the, the the jalapenos, the the, the salsa. Everything. The salsa is the best bit. The jalapenos. I feel like if you don't get all of the toppings, it's not the full experience. I've had it once where it was just salsa, and I found myself sat in the cinema, and I was just getting really emotional over these nachos. Like it's just, it's not complete. I feel like I'm missing out on so much, and then I was more focused on the nachos than the film, and it was just a really emotional experience. So I learned from my mistake, there will always be all of the toppings. <laughs> the, pe the people you were with leaning across to you going, you really love this movie, don't you? It was one of the Conjuring films. And they were like, why are you getting emotional? <laughs> like, like, no one started dying yet. They're just setting up the scene. And I was like, it's just the nachos you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lovely selection there. And popcorn, sweet or salted? This is interesting. When I was younger, I was a sweet person. And then I mm -hmm. slowly transitioned into sweet and salted. And now the transition is complete and it is salted popcorn only. And when people try and feed me popcorn straight away, I don't even ask. I can just smell it. And if I can smell the sweetness, I'm like, this is, this is not the one for me. It'll be salted. Amber, you'll be pleased to hear that is the correct answer. Salted is the correct answer. Well done, Amber. It's time to leave the foyer and walk down the corridor towards the auditorium. Posters along the cinema wall illustrate some of your important movie memories. The first poster depicts your fondest movie memory. What is your fondest movie memory? I think my fondest movie memory specific to going to the cinema is probably the first premiere that I ever went to of a film that I acted in. And it was my 25th birthday. Alongside the premiere, it was the same day I got to take my parents and my best friends, and it was probably the best evening of my entire life. It was everything I wanted it to be and more. I felt like a movie star. I had all my snacks. It was just absolute perfection. <laughs> oh, wow. What movie was it? 
Uh, so it was a film called The Seven. It's the first one that I ever did. Um, it's a horror film following seven. Uh, seven people who are, um, they're still at school. They're 18 years old. They're about to graduate. And it turns out that the school was basically built on the grounds of this old kind of haunted mansion. Uh, so they get trapped mm. in the school and all of these spooky happenings go along. Like I'm a big horror fan anyway. I normally try to go to the cinema around my birthday with my parents. We go for a meal and then we go and watch normally a horror film. It's tradition. So it just worked out perfectly. And honestly, it was just, it was such a great experience being with my friends and family as well. They must have been really proud. Were they like, oh my God, we're on the red carpet. Our daughter is in a movie. <laughs> that, must, that must be quite a moment. It was it was really emotional. And this time I wasn't getting emotional because my nachos had all of the toppings. So I was perfectly happy. I was getting emotional because my mum was crying. My dad was crying. My friends were tearing up. And I was like, guys, you're going to ruin my makeup. Stop. You're going to make me cry. It was just, it was like such a beautiful moment. And yeah, I never really, as an actor, you kind of hope that you'll have these moments, but you never know if it'll actually happen. So I think being there in that moment was just like the most overwhelming thing in the world. Like I had goosebumps all evening. Like in all of the photos, my arms are just like goosebumpy. <laughs> and is it nice having having your photo taken? You know, when you do the the photos before you go in, uh, when you're yeah. in, a, in a film. Like, do you do you enjoy that? Do you have a do you have a photo face that you know? Because like, <laughs> I've just I had to learn that you can't sort of just be like, "Hi," because like <laughs> they capture these just weird. Like you're like, does that my does my face do that? So you sort of have to yeah. look really sort of like. Not sullen, but a little bit like, yeah, it's just a movie that I'm in. Exactly. You have to have a smolder. You have to look like cool and calm and collected. I think the first few premieres that I went to as a guest, I didn't really know the rules. So I just looked like, you know, when you see those dogs in the park and they've just been let off their leash and they are living their best life and they're just going around like, ah, that was me at my first premiere. I didn't know the angles. I was like mid pose in all of the photos doing this weird stuff, like smiling into the distance. And it was so cringy. And I remember seeing these photos on Getty Images thinking, wow, I really need to sort my life out. So I started looking at what other people were doing when they were having their photos taken. And I was like, right, okay, so we don't really smile with our teeth. You don't often get people going, you, you have to look like you're cool, yeah. you know, like you're meant to be there, more of a, like, oh, thanks for having me. <laughs> so I figured out my <laughs> angles, I figured out my poses, I've got it all sorted now. <laughs> it, it is that, it's such a weird thing, you're like, oh, I didn't even think there'd be photographers yeah. here. Is is there a movie on? Am I in so it? Really? There's a word for it. Smizing. It's uh, I think it's yes. called smiling with the eyes. That's that's it what is. they tell you it's to like do. A... Yeah, that's a great fond movie memory. <laughs> I, I I love that. Okay, so the second movie poster depicts your worst movie memory. What is your worst movie memory? Oh, so this is a strange one. Did you ever watch the Powerpuff Girls movie? <laughs> Uh, the Powerpuff Girls. No, so I was getting confused. I thought you meant Josie and the Pussycats movie, but no, I never saw the Powerpuff it Was it animated or live action? Animated, wasn't it? It was animated. It was quite a while ago. We're talking over a decade here, possibly like almost 20 years ago. Um, I, okay. It was one of my Friday cinema nights with my mum and we kind of alternated. So one week I'd let her choose the film and one week I would choose the film. Now, as an adult, she wasn't super keen on cartoons, but I kind of grown up watching the Powerpuff Girls. So she knew the characters and thought, oh, it'll be fine. And within the first 10 minutes, I just hear this deep rumbling noise. And at first I thought, you know, is a train going past? Like, this is a bit weird. Anyway, I carried on watching. And then other people are starting to notice this weird noise. And I think this is really strange. And I look over and my mum is fast asleep, snoring. Like, I've never seen anything like it. Like, she was in a coma. There was no waking her up. I'm poking her. I'm prodding her. I'm throwing popcorn dead to the world. And I'm just sat there thinking, oh my goodness. And you know, the kids are looking at me. The parents are looking at me. They asked her to leave. They asked her to leave. <laughs> I, it was so traumatic. I was a child. I was still in primary school and I'm just sat there trying to hide under my mountain of snacks. Like, I'm not with her, I promise. No, like you're under 18. You're definitely with her. You have to leave. And I was like, great. So I had to go back with my dad and watch the film. And I'd already given him a pre no snore warning, but it was <laughs> so embarrassing. I can't tell you. Did, did the staff wake her up in the end or did, did you wake her up? How did, who, who woke, well, who woke her? This sounds like an, I, a, a crazy deep sleep. <laughs> so I think she just had one of those weeks. Like my mum's amazing. She has like three different jobs. She's a magistrate. She's a personal trainer. She's a hypnotherapist. She was taking me to and from school. Like she does a lot. So I'm not surprised that she's tired. And um, I can't remember what happened the night before, but I think something had happened with some of the pipes in our house. And she was up until really late trying to solve something whilst I was getting my beauty sleep. So I think she was just super tired that day. 
And no, I couldn't wake her up. Honestly, I was trying all sorts, like, as I said, literally throwing popcorn, like taking her snacks, because if I'm asleep and someone takes my snacks, I have a sixth sense and I can sense it. I will wake up immediately. But that didn't work. And it got to a point where people were starting to leave the cinema and I knew that they were complaining. And I thought, there's no way for me to get around this. Like, she sat between me and the exit, so I can't even escape and pretend I don't know the woman. Like, I'm trapped. I'm, I'm committed now. So I just kind of sat there watching the film, pretending, oh, I can't hear this, like, monstrous noise going on next to me. And then it was so sweet. It was this young guy. You know how you get these, like, 15, 16-year-olds who look like they've literally just hit puberty? And he came into the cinema. And he was like, um, excuse me, is this your mum? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, she's snoring. And I said, oh, thank you. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, at least it made him laugh a little bit and he was like look I'm really sorry people are complaining we're gonna have to get you to leave and I was like well what if she wakes up and doesn't snort and he was like do you really think that's gonna happen and I was like no she's really tired I think <laughs> so we both kind of shook her from either side and she woke up and she was absolutely mortified bless her and she was like oh I'm really sorry everyone I'm sorry and then she was so embarrassed she was like I'm going to leave anyway I don't want to sit here for another hour right. <laughs> but it was <laughs> traumatic for the both of us <laughs> I don't know what I do in that situation. That does sound, as a kid, that sounds like, like the things that as an adult, you go, that's a funny story. As a kid, it must be like, oh my God, this is the most, this is the such social anxiety. Yeah. Every time, if, if, if it had been my mum, every time she snored, like she'd go, I'd have been like, <laughs> sorry, cough, it's me. And tried to disguise the snoring with a, a tickly throat, maybe. I probably yeah. should have tried to do that, but I think it got to the point where it was so irregular. There's no way I could have sensed when these snores were coming. You don't understand. When she snores, I've <laughs> never heard anything like it. It's it's very strange noises coming out of that woman's mouth. <laughs> okay, well, there's a movie pitch in that child trapped in cinema by a snoring woman can't make it to the exit. Social anxiety rising. People the looking next over the film. <laughs> Our third movie poster depicts the last performance that brought you to tears. Uh, it cannot be a performance of nachos and a lack okay. of salsa. It would have to be, it's got to be Elvis. I've seen a lot of wonderful films this year, but I don't think a performance has touched me like that in a long time. Like Tom Hanks was phenomenal, but Austin Butler, oh my goodness. Like my parents loved Elvis's music. I grew up listening to it. So I already felt quite connected to him as an individual and his story. I knew vaguely about his life growing up and... Obviously, I knew what was coming towards the end of the film, but it was just so weird watching it. I had so many moments where it was like tears just of pure happiness. I was just loving the film and seeing him perform. And like, obviously, there's the good and the bad, but like the good moments, it it gave me goosebumps. And I just had the most amazing feeling that I was like kind of sharing this story with everyone in the cinema. Like I was saying earlier, it's my favorite thing about going to the cinema. And obviously, towards the end, there were sad tears, but... It's the first film in a while where it's got me both sides. Like it's genuinely made me tear up from just enjoying the film so much and just feeling like so vulnerable in a weird way, I guess. And just really connecting to the story and then also feeling sad because sad things do happen. But definitely Elvis is a wonderful film. I loved it. You're absolutely right. It is that communal experience, both in terms of joy and in terms of you know, sadness because the movie's wanting yeah. you to be sad that just like that you just don't get on your sofa. That is that's the wonderful thing about, you know, sharing that moment with people because laughter's infectious and I, I I'm imagining tears are kind of infectious as well. I think it is. Like, I'm one of those people where if I see my friends or family crying, it can make me cry. I think especially when you mm. care about the person and even in films, obviously you end up caring about the characters after you've watched them for a couple of hours. So I completely agree. It makes sense. Fantastic choice, Elvis. And our final movie poster depicts your unpopular movie opinion. What is your unpopular movie opinion? Oh, see, I'm one of those people where if critics love a film, I'm normally not so keen on it. And if critics don't like a film, it's normally I'll go around saying, oh, it's the best thing I've ever seen. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange one. So for me, I honestly don't know because there's so many films that I've seen and loved and then people have just thought they're absolutely horrific. I think anything that's one awards at the Razzies you know for uh, Rotten Tomatoes probably up there for me and one of my favorite films I'm trying to think what's come out recently that people have not enjoyed that I have loved I think you're out you've hit on something here because like on Rotten Tomato scores uh, these days there's such a huge disparity between mm -hmm. the critic score not all the time this isn't uh, you know I don't want to generalize but quite often you see these tomato critic scores where it's like 30 percent and then the audience is like mid 80s and you're like people yeah. I don't know whether you know 
critics have become sniffier or or people have become more able to you know make their own judgment for a, for yeah. a movie it's just it's, it's quite strange i have noticed that like even when you go to the cinema now I feel like there is two types of people in the audience, especially at these like pre-screeners and premieres. And you can tell straight away who is a critic because they do normally have that slightly, I don't want to say snooty, but they have a different air to them. And I feel like they're watching it for a different reason. Whereas I feel like people going to the cinema are genuinely just watching it to enjoy it. And maybe that's why there is that disparity. Um, But I'm just trying to think about films. Like, you know, Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, but the first one, the David Ayer one. I love that film. I thought that was great. I love that <laughs> film. It was so good. <laughs> I loved all the characters. I mean, you've got Will Smith, you've got Margot Robbie, you've got Jared Leto. Like, I was like, this film is perfect. And everyone was hating on it. And I was just sat there like, oh God, yeah, no. It, it wasn't a solid 10 out of 10. I haven't seen it 20 times in the cinema. You're right. It's so bad. So bad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you like it as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's one of those movies where I, I, I don't think I've ever been quite as swayed uh, beforehand about how much mm-hmm. I'm going to enjoy this movie from the trailers. Those three trailers, yes. was three of the best trailers in recent memory, especially mm-hmm. Ballroom Blitz. Brilliant stuff. Because sometimes mm-hmm. you just get these trailers, which are like mini movies, like the, the trailer for Mad Max Fury Road uh, set to yes. Verdi is just like, oh, I just rewatch it over and over again. Uh-huh. No, I'm the same. And I think that's one of my favorite my other favorite parts about going to the cinema, it's not just watching the movie, it's the snacks. I have to get there a good half hour before so I can watch all of the trailers. If I miss the trailers, I know that I'm not going to have my full cinematic experience. And then I'm probably right. going to enjoy the film like 90% instead of 100 because I need the suspense, the leading up to the film. <laughs> I don't know if that's just me, but I love the trailers. No, I, I, I'm very much the same. I've met people, I, I've been to the cinema with people who go, we don't need to get there at that time. That's the trailers first. The movie won't start for another 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, the movie starts the time it says on that because the movie starts when that first trailer comes up and the Pearl and Dean music kicks in. And I'm like, I'm ready to go. I want all of that. I want. I don't even care that there's adverts in there. Give me adverts, give me everything. If I see it on a big screen. I'm the exact same. <laughs> And just to make us uh, totally not, uh, uh, you know, uh, going against uh, the grain with, our, uh, with uh, me agreeing with you about Suicide Squad being a good film, um, yes. although we are pitching it as the unpopular movie opinion, it did win an Oscar. I think it won the best Oscar for visual effects or something. Or, no, I think best hair and makeup. So either way, yeah. it's an Oscar winning movie. You can exactly. never take that away from it. So I feel like our judgment is justified. It has to be a good film if it wins an Oscar. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and in future, whenever we mention it to people, uh, we go, hey, I'm, I'm a huge fan uh, of an uh, Oscar-winning movie, Suicide Squad. <laughs> That's exactly how I'm going to introduce it from now on. <laughs> um, right then. We're leaving the corridor, pushing open the last set of doors. We're entering the auditorium. The crowd goes wild. The guest of honour has arrived. Now, we were just talking about this because before the movie you pick for us begins, there's one of the best things about the cinema. It's the trailers. So we are playing the trailer for the movie that you're most looking forward to. What is your most anticipated movie? Am I allowed a couple or do I have to narrow it down to one? I'm afraid you're going to have to pick one. I want to hear the second one, but then I want to hear which one you're going for. Ooh, okay. Okay. I'm going to have to go for... Mm, I'm going to have to go for Knives Out 2, which I believe they've just released the poster and it's Glass Onion, I think it's called. That is correct, yes. Yep. Yep. Just because I love the first one. I'm a huge fan of any form of murder mystery, like Agatha Christie novels. I ate those up as a child. Love the first film. So I was debating between The Menu and Emily and Knives Out 2, but I'm going to have to stick with Glass Onion, I think, because that's the one that gets my heart beating the quickest. That's the one I'm super excited for. I'm on board with that. All right, our audience are as thrilled as you for that trailer. So it's time to announce to our excited audience in this packed auditorium the movie we're watching tonight. What movie have you picked for us? It's got to be Scarface. It's a classic. I love it. I've seen it a million times. It never fails to make me laugh. There's moments where I cry. Everything that I want to feel from a movie is in Scarface. And I love Al Pacino. I want him to adopt me. And I hope one day maybe he will. Who knows? But Scarface is my answer. That is an epic movie. How many times (laughs) have you seen it? Honestly, I've lost count. I think it's probably more than 30. 
but <laughs> I did have wow. a tally at one point. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those where I think, you know, sometimes if you're having a day where you're like tired and you just want to watch a movie to wind down or if I'm going to bed and I think, let me just watch something before I doze off, that's my go-to film. If I'm ill and I'm having like a sick day, that's my go-to film. If I need something in the background whilst I'm working, Scarface. So in total, we're probably looking at like 30, 40 times minimum. So this is so this is your go-to movie because everyone has that moment where they're like, Ugh, I don't know what to watch. And your go-to is Scarface. Yeah. I feel like most people have more light-hearted films, perhaps. But I don't know. I just, I love everything about it. I think it's a really great film. It's a great film. And like you said, I mean, Al Pacino in that performance. I mean, what what do you make of it? Because it's just like this sort of coiled spring of energy and like the fury and the like self-reliance and the thirst for power. It's like he just captures all that. And those eyes, those Al Pacino wide eyes. I just love it how he he doesn't need to say anything and you know exactly what he's thinking through his eyes. And there's so many moments in the film where even after seeing it 30, 40 times, I'll be watching it and I'll like catch something new in his acting and I'll think, oh my goodness, I never saw that before. Like the way that he looks at someone or he's fidgeting with something, literally the smallest thing. And then I think as an actor, I'm like, I still feel like I'm learning so much from his performance and from this film. So even though I'm enjoying it, I'm like, technically it's teaching me. So I'm studying right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i i do the, i do the same thing i'm like well i sort of work in film journalism so any movie i watch is really work it's, it's research right that's why i can go to the cinema like three times a week and i'm like well it's work it's not a waste of time don't be silly <laughs> great choice scarface but of course it's a double bill so the second movie we're playing is the movie that is the most important to you what movie is the most important to you Okay, so this is probably a bit of a cliche because I imagine a lot of people my age would probably say this, but I think Titanic because it's one of the first memories that I have watching a film. I saw it very, very young. I remember my parents were on the sofa watching it. It It was so young that I had a very early bedtime and I remember it was past my bedtime and they'd kind of sent me upstairs to bed and I remember hearing something on TV and I don't know what it was, but something made me turn around and the film started. And I, I snuck down the stairs and I hid by the side of the sofa so my parents couldn't see me. And after about 15 minutes, I think they realized that I was there, but they could see for some reason that I was just really hooked on this film. I don't know what it was, but I remember even being so young at the end of that film, I turned to my parents and I was like, I want to do that. And my parents were like, you want to be in a ship that sinks in the middle of the ocean? And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I want to be on TV doing this and they were like do you mean acting and I was like yeah and I was like I want to be doing that and it just made me feel so much I think it's the first time that I'd really been moved by a film and I finally understood what acting was and that these were you know these amazing creative filmmakers and that they had the power to make people feel such strong emotions and I remember thinking even though I was really young this is cool I need to feel that and even now like if Titanic's on the tv no matter what I'm doing I have to stop and watch it just because it still gives me the same feelings and I have so many good memories associated with it because of that experience so it is the movie that started it's the it's the moment that began you on this journey why we're sitting here today talking about uh, your career and like um your acting is it's all down to seeing Titanic in that moment it is. And again, it's not the like happiest film in the world. I think most people when they're children probably stick to cartoons and fun films. And maybe that's why my parents shooed me up to bed because they know, you know, it's got a sad ending. And I mean, it's this whole ship sinking, like it's not the most positive thing in the world, but I don't know what it was. It just really stuck with me and rang true. And yeah, I'd say that like kind of changed the course of my life because before then I remember doing like little stage school bits and singing and dancing at school and I loved it. But that was definitely the moment when I was like, this is this is what I'm going to do with my life. This is what I want to do. I want to be Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I, I think it's it, you've, you've hit the nail on the head when you say there's so much going on in that film. Because I think the clever thing about Titanic is obviously there is a, a romance story at, at the core right. for people who like romance. But for those who sort of go to a James Cameron movie because they're a bit of an action junkie, you yep. are going to see some of the greatest special effects of the moment like, and a ship like coming apart and so you're going to get your hit of adrenaline that way so it really sort of as as was proved with its box office i think it's still the fourth biggest movie in the world it just mm-hmm. brought in everyone everyone wanted a part of that exactly i feel like it's drama action there's a bit of comedy in there there's a bit of thriller there's like you're saying there's everything that you could need and i think it's the first film i ever saw where in my opinion it wasn't one genre it was like looking back now i'm like oh no i, I think it just kind of spans so many different ones and that's 
probably why it's so wild, widely loved and why it did so well. It's just, yeah, it's a fab film. I still love it now. <laughs> and obviously, like you say, it's the most important uh, movie uh, for you because it got you into this. When you, I, I imagine you've you've sort of heard the, the stories or read around the stories behind the scenes of um, how tough a shoot it was, let's say, for the actors, like soaked in water, yeah. giant water tanks for hours on end and then, James Cameron being kind of like, I'm going to get this movie done no matter what. And like being quite a scary man by all accounts. And then, you know, crew members being fired uh, because they weren't living up to his standards and then coming back and poisoning the food so that everyone had food poisoning. When you hear all that, that, (laughs) do you still sort of go, I would have loved to have been in Titanic because it sounds like quite an endurance test for an actor. I feel like once I heard all of these behind the scenes stories, I kind of dissociated the truth from the film and I was in denial. I was like, no, 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 this shoot was perfect. Everything was fine. There was no food poisoning. The water tanks were a a pleasant 35 degrees. It was like being in a a nice warm bath and everyone had a lovely time. And I think I tried to separate the two because I was like, I don't want to ruin this like perfect memory of this film. But it does, it sounds like it was probably one of the toughest shoots that there's been. But I think it paid off. And at the end of the day, I mean, every film shoot will always have some problems along the way. It's just the nature of the beast. It's how it is. And I think because of the scale of that production, all of those problems were kind of scaled up. Um, But I mean, I still would have loved to be involved in it just because that film is so special to me. But ideally, without the food poisoning, would have liked to skip that day, maybe just stayed at home. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, and I, I, you're absolutely right. Sometimes, you know, I, I, it's the nature of the inquisitive mind. And, you know, when you love film, you kind of want to know everything about the film. But sometimes yep. pulling back the curtain can ruin uh, a movie for you. Yeah, it can. <laughs> right then, let's move on. The audience has absolutely loved these movies. But what they love even more is the fact you've printed out T-shirts for each of them to give away <laughs> as a gift for coming tonight. And on the front of these t-shirts is your favorite movie quote. First of all, thank you for the gesture, Amber. That's lovely of you. And secondly, what is your favorite movie quote? What do these t-shirts have emblazoned on the front? So again, I have many favorite movie quotes. I'm one of those people where I, when I communicate on WhatsApp, I send gifts and it is normally movie quotes. I could speak quite happily, numerous conversations with movie quotes, but if I have to pick one, I think it would be from Empire Strikes Back when Yoda says, do or do not, there is no try. I remember my mum saying it when I was younger and I was like, and she said it in the weird voice and I was like, are you good? Like what's happening right now? And she was like, no, no, it's from this film, Star Wars. And then I got into all of the Star Wars films and I don't know why that quote really just stuck with me. I think if anyone's like going through a tough time or anything and you think, oh, well, should I try? Should I not try? And then my mum would be like, do or do not. There is no try. That sounds more like Gandalf <laughs> than Yoda. She has some strange impressions. But yeah, it just really stuck with me. And I feel like it's quite motivating. And at the end of the day, whenever an opportunity comes up, I always think, well, I can't really try. You either do it or you don't do it. And if you don't do it, you're going to regret it. So do it. Like there's no trying. Um, there's a few other ones, but that's the main one that sticks with me. So that's what you'd be getting on your T-shirt. <laughs> and I have to say that was a spot on impression of your mum doing an impression of Yoda. That was on the money. <laughs> every time she does an impression of Yoda it really does sound like Gandalf and I don't know if she's getting her films confused I don't know who she's thinking of but it makes her happy bless her so I don't have the heart to tell her it's not the right character that she's impersonating that's great you know when Luke returns the ring to Mount Doom what what which movie are you talking about it could you know what yeah maybe she went to the cinema and watched Lord of the Rings and fell asleep and then they started playing Empire Strikes Back. Who knows? And she merged the two in her brain and she's just confused and she hears Gandalf but sees Yoda. I don't know the reasoning behind it. I think it's best not to ask. Just leave it. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, go on, though. Do tell me Do tell me the other ones that were in competition. I, lo- I love it. Uh, uh, do or do not, there is no tries on the yeah. T-shirts. But what, what were the runners up? So there's one from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I always say it wrong, but it's something along the lines of like, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around, I think it's like once in a while, then you could miss it. And again, I'm one of those people where I really struggle living in the moment. I think just being in the entertainment industry, like everything's so fast paced. You're constantly thinking about what am I doing next? What am I doing next? And that quote for me, when I think of it, I'm like, okay, let's just take a moment, breathe and like enjoy the present. 
because I think we're always worrying about the past or the future and never really living in the moment. And I remember when I heard that in the film and I was like, oh, this is another one that rings true. And I really like that one. Yeah, that is great. And and absolutely very true. You know, it is, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people making a lot of money uh, right now from this this whole uh, be present uh, movement, yeah. you know, the mindfulness thing, which being a bit of a cynic, I'm like, ah, yeah, shut up. But actually, I, I <laughs> as I've as I've got older and 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 lost my unnecessary cynicism, I, I've I've begun to think you're absolutely right, and they are absolutely right, and there, it is very difficult to um to just enjoy what you have and where you are and not be thinking about what's next. Exactly. I want to know what's your favorite movie, Crow. I don't know if anyone's asked you this, but I'm intrigued. What's yours? Uh, it's either it's it's one of two. I feel sort of uh, almost obliged because my favorite film ever is Jaws. So I I often okay. just go with um, uh, you know you're going to need a bigger boat, but that's a bit lazy. Right. I, I I think probably we're on an express elevator to hell going down. Hudson in Aliens. Uh, I mean that that. That man is a quote machine. Bill Paxton as Hudson and Aliens. You know, game over, man. Game over. <laughs> There's so many great one-liners in that film. Oh, it's so... When you put her in charge, I'm going to stop now. Sorry. This is why. This is why. <laughs> but I'm, I am that dickhead who basically, if anyone ever sends me a, a, a WhatsApp where I can attribute an Aliens quote from Hudson normally, rather than actually answer their question, I'll just find yeah. a gift for it and I'll just slam that on. That. And I'm like, look what, look out, look what I know. They mostly <laughs> come at night. Mostly, it's right. Done. Stop. Uh, you see, look what you've done, Amber. Sorry. Done. Right then. <laughs> you you couldn't have known uh, what you'd unleash. Uh, right then. The movies have finished. The crowd have got their t-shirts on. They're standing to leave the auditorium now just as we ease them back into the reality of this world, away from their cinema of dreams. We're going to play a piece of music. What is your favorite piece of music or movie score that will guide our audience out of the cinema? I have a favorite movie soundtrack, and then I have a favorite original movie score. Which one do you want? I want both, actually, and I, I, then, okay. then I'm going to force you to pick, but I would love to hear both. Oh, no. Okay, so soundtrack has got to be from the first Guardians of the Galaxy film. Every single song on that soundtrack is an absolute banger. Um, so that's my favorite soundtrack. And then score, I'm probably going to have to go with, to be fair, anything by Hans Zimmer, but I think the first Pirates of the Caribbean, because the theme tune for that was my alarm for the longest time. It just, like... I feel so empowered when I hear that song. I don't know why. It just does something to me. I love it. Weirdly, you know, uh, we, we have another synchrony moment because oh. I play that in my kitchen. Like when I want to sort of go, Bre making breakfast is boring. Making breakfast to the Pirate of the Caribbean soundtrack, however, bloody great fun. <laughs> it's great. And they, you're right, the Guardians of the, uh, the uh, Galaxy soundtrack, it, it feels to me like it's, it sort of has that Tarantino style soundtrack, like yes. it's sort of like iconic songs that make for just wonderful needle drops in the mm -hmm. film as well. I'm, I'm going to take uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Are you happy for that to rather than play a whole soundtrack? The audience is milling yeah. out, they're milling out to Pirates of the Caribbean. I think that's fine. I think everyone loves that song. It's really uplifting. Yeah, we'll go with Pirates of the Caribbean. I'm comfortable with my choice. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. The curtains have closed. The guests are milling out, smiling, chatting, and thanking you for taking them on an incredible night out of the movies. But before you go, there is always time for our mystery question. As, a, as ever, it is time for What's in the Box? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? <laughs> so I've got a mystery question. In an actual Ooh, box. The oh. suspense. <laughs> Your mystery question, Amber, this week is what other childhood favorite would you like to be reimagined in a horror movie? <laughs> okay, good. That's the question. So, okay. what, what, so what childhood memory do you want to decimate by having them gouge an eye out? It's always the eye gouging, isn't it? That's the one that gets me. I'm so squeamish it, around eyes. Oh. <laughs> Me and their lips. I, 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 what was it? Oh, Pet Cemetery. I was watching that the oh, other day. So the, yeah. the two things that get me are uh, were Gage slices Jeb's ankle. So I hate seeing the Achilles mm. tendon uh, sliced, like hostile uh, Pet Cemetery. But also, oh. you know these the bits here at uh, the sides of your mouth. Yeah. Imagine a paper cut or a blade. No, I can feel it when I watch it. I can across I can the corners it. of. Yeah. Mm. So those get. Those get me. 
but go but go, go on. How did we get onto that? Oh, oh yeah, I that's right. Know. Yeah. I got you. Uh, okay, so I have actually thought about this because when the trailer came out, everyone was like, oh my goodness, what are they going to do next? And I was thinking, huh, what should they do next? What should I suggest? So I was looking to see what characters are coming into the public domain. And I think right. Mickey Mouse is in 2024. And I thought, how funny would that be? Having like Minnie Mouse and Mickey Mouse as this like serial killer duo. And I don't know if it would be people in the outfits and maybe they put on the outfits and that's like the Minnie Mouse costume and that's then their serial killer persona. I don't know if they are maybe playing the characters at Disney World and they go on a rampage around the theme park. I haven't quite figured out what my idea would be. But I would love to see Minnie and Mickey Mouse going on a rampage. I mean, it's, it, that sounds, that's a, oh, oh, Minnie, you put the acid on the corpse. <laughs> yeah. I You'd have to have them in those voices as well. Otherwise, it just wouldn't feel right. <laughs> You're actually right. I think it's it's that it's that famous Disney cartoon, Steamboat Steamboat Mickey, where he's uh, that's yeah. the one that comes uh, into the, uh, into the public domain. I wonder what Disney are going to do. You know, I wonder if they're going to like have like pay a lot of money to extend that copyright because it will damage. I believe. I think Disney their brand is sort of based around that bloody mouse so seeing him yeah. you know he is kind of their main character isn't he okay so if it isn't mickey mouse and who maybe the disney princesses maybe there's a whole oh. weird cult of disney princesses where they've turned evil and you know snow white's just had one too many poison apples and she's like i am done with this you know it's time to fight back <laughs> and then they just turn on all the villains i'd love to see that <laughs> yes like a, a a kind of darker version of the craft but yes. with with Disney princesses. Exactly. <laughs> Amber, thank you so much. Just to recap your wonderful night out at the movies that you've taken us on. Amber, you have taken Quentin Tarantino to the cinema at 6.45 in the evening. You're sitting in the middle of a row at the back so you can watch the audience watching the film. You are having as snacks fully loaded nachos they have to be fully loaded and they have to have salsa maybe a hot dog depending on the capacity of your special cinema stomach you're also having a slushy and some chocolatey bits and pieces for dessert along with a large salted popcorn you're screening the trailer for glass onion a knives out mystery followed by a double bill of Scarface and the film that got you into acting, Titanic. Amber, have you had a fun night at the cinema? You know what, Alex? I think it's been the best night of my life. Yay! <laughs> We've got it! Amber, thank you for taking us on a trip to the movies. <laughs> thank you for coming with me. It was delightful. Me and Quentin had a great time. And as Amber's cab carries her away from our virtual cinema off into the distance, it's your chance to win a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema. As I said at the start, the lovely people at Odeon have given us a pair of tickets to give away every week. And if you'd like the chance of getting these tickets, all you have to do is leave us a review of the show. You can leave it on whichever podcast platform you use, be it Apple Podcasts or other. Or you can post us a comment on any of our social media where we are at Trip to Movies Pod. The competition is only open to UK residents and the tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget, you can find the full ad-free interviews for this and indeed every single episode on our Trip to the Movies Patreon with loads of other extras, including early access to the podcast as well. And that really is it. I'll be back next week with another Trip to the Movies. Bye-bye. <laughs>